The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Let's go! Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, one-on-one showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Tuesday, February 28th, 2023. Listeners, please welcome fan favorite adult performer, Coach Carter. Welcome to the show, Coach. Hello, hello, how are you? And just to be clear, Carter is spelled C-A-R-D-H-E-R, if you guys understand how that goes. Yes, I like it. It's a play on words, and I love it. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. So, okay, let's start off by getting some stats out the way. What's your height and weight? Well, my height is 5'8". And my stature is much taller, of course, but my height is 5'8", and my weight is 175. What's your ethnic background? My ethnic background, I'm black, all the way black, uh, American. What's your zodiac sign? Zodiac sign is Scorpio. And how old are you? I am 57 years old. All right. Now, can I just tell you before we even move on, I would yes. have never guessed that. Of course you would. <laughs> yeah, I love how you said it. You're like, I know it. Um, the company, my company, actually, my production company name is Seasoned Beef. Yes. Seasoned Beef with a Z, and I got that name because uh, I was talking to some uh younger talent, some women, and she just was asking me my age, and I told her my age. At the time, I was 53, and I told her 35, and she goes, oh, I like some seasoned beef. I laughed. I said, wow, you're a genius, and I just ran with the name. Fantastic. You know, sometimes... defined and defined. Exactly. Sometimes a good name, sometimes a brand name just comes out the blue. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, from what, how people feel. Exactly. All right. Coach so Carter mm-hmm. came from actually a director that contacted me in the business, a, a big time director, and um, that's when I first started because my name has changed plenty of times. I upgrade names and and characters as I try to uh, achieve the levels and get to the different places. Mm-hmm. And my name is Flex Spitcock at the time, <laughs> which I will say that's not a bad name. No, I didn't think so, and um, what he said was, uh, oh, I like that name, but I can't sell that in Hollywood. I go, Hollywood? Wait a minute. Who's this guy? And so then he said, you're a coach, right? I go, yeah. You know, he said, I'm watching this. And he started laughing. Huh, I wish your name could be Coach Carter like the movie, and I laughed. And I go, yeah. And I thought about it for a few days, and I go, wait a minute. I'm going to put the spelling card her. Nice. I like it. Very cool. And and it worked out. Yes, um, it worked perfectly. My age, the, the, the title, how it works. Um, I am a coach. I've been coached for many years, many different things. 
Um, so it, 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 it's not uh, it's not even like okay, it's just a handle. It's actually who I am. So it's good. It's good. It's another another terms of endearment uh, besides the daddy thing. Now you know girls overuse the daddy thing. You know. When they do coach now, it's more personal. It's only for me now. <laughs> so, and they say it in the same sense of daddy. They say it, "Hey, coach," and I'll go, "Okay, this is good." <laughs> <laughs> so, let's get to know a little bit about the man behind the performer. Where are you originally from? Originally from New York, Harlem, near the Apollo, between the Apollo and Central Park. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what life was like growing up for you. Well, I grew up in in the sixties, uh, in the sixties, which is one of the really tough times in Harlem and racial issues and things going on. You had uh, Muhammad Ali going through the uh, fighting the war, fighting not going to the war, and you had. Uh, things coming along like Bruce Lee that was intriguing me and I was staying away from the outside and the streets and all the things that were going on because I was getting intrigued by martial arts. Um, and it just was a lot going on. When you were young, when I was young, you couldn't go to the next block uh, without the older guys roughing you up and making sure that, you know, you could uh, actually get to where you want to go. Uh, it was like a passage of being able to get to the next places. And so I was really adventurous, really um, you know, a loner, but I would really, um, you know, I would go to these places and go to, you know, and these bigger guys would try to rough me up. And I was the one where I would go back in a couple of days, I'll figure out how to negate whatever happened and go back again and again. So I really learned how to uh, survive and struggle and, and deal with whatever came my way from a very, very early age. So I think um, really helped me um, hard. And I was intrigued by sports a lot. Um, like I said, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Superman, they were my heroes. And these were my secret uh, uh, wants that I wanted to do. So I was teaching myself how to become these people, actually, and then learning everything I could do about it. And it was um, what, what kind of drove me. I was really extra, extra small. It took me years and years and years decades of training to even get to the size I am now. And, um, and I couldn't play the sports in the beginning because I was too small. So that tended to get me to the boxing where it was, you know, weight classes. And um, things were just um, really uh, a fight to be able to be on the same level of people that were bigger than me. That was a big thing for me. School was easy. I was really smart. I was on autodidact, so I was always teaching myself something. So. On that note, it was good, but porn was early. So I was uh, one of the kids that when stuff was going on, playing doctor house, I was already, hmm, I get this. What's going on here? And just really over here, overly intrigued by sex at a really early age. So that's what kind of really had to uh, put plan to see. Now, I think I saw one of those Super 8 films sneaking in, my mom and, and, and all the older people, you know, got together with the, they had only had like the stag films, you called it, and they had to, you called the Super 8 on this like black and white, and it would be, and I would be peeking through the doors and 
That was it. Once I saw that the first time, <laughs> and that was before porn was even really conceived. So it's been a long time. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, clearly, I mean, I think the big elephant in the room is that you joined porn. You you joined the industry. You really, you know, went full you know, a, a deep dive into the business at an older age, which I think is incredibly fascinating. And, and I think for the listeners, I mean, there are a lot of people that are like, oh, I can't get into porn, you know, I'm I'm this age, I can't do it, you know, I've been wanting to do it, but, you know, I'm not one of those young guys, and it's always the guys in their 20s, and this is that or the other. And clearly, you know, you don't have to be in your 20s to jump into the business. I mean, you are living proof that you can be in the game and you can get a whole lot of work and you can develop an, an, an incredible fan base uh, at any age. So I, I don't want to talk just yet about your transition into the adult industry, but I wanted to discuss what was going on with your life just before you decided to make the decision to pursue a career in adult well, like I said, I was always intrigued by it. And um, the morals and traditions that I had learned in life was actually keeping me back from doing porn. I was a personal trainer and bodybuilder and uh, had, you know, boxing coach. I've, you know, I've been teaching kids and doing give-backs, uh, nonprofit. I can actually get jobs and the skills that I had, highly skilled, because I sort of seems like I, I learned that I intimidate a lot of the people that got to hire me, it seems this way. And so I learned to just teach what I learned or what I, what I, you know, what I went to school for or whatever and teach it to the youth. Um, I've done a lot of that, a lot of give back programs, um, um, you know, teaching construction, boxing, fitness, um, just, you know, built, uh, raising money in nonprofits. Uh, for schools, um, so I did quite a lot of years of uh, that type of work. You could say it's kind of like philanthropy work with your services and skills. Um, uh, did that uh, right before the, uh, and I pretty much dedicated myself to trying to help my community, my peers, my family, uh, and fitness as I started really learning, learning the real benefits, really with it. What it was able to do for you, and so um, that was really my big thing for right before uh, the pan when the pandemic hit, it shut the gyms down and all these stuff, and then I was really really by that time to make the transition because I had been at the time realizing that I basically had been forsaken by the system, if you if you will, like I was the guy that was told to do things and I finished what they were told me to do, and then it didn't, the outcome didn't happen properly. Like, when it was when I was young, they didn't say get go to college. They said go to get a trade. I was only pretty much only person I knew and still know that finished trade school and graduated, but I knew friends that went to the school that dropped out that actually were able to get jobs in the trades. And so it was really uh, me having to learn it. I opened my eyes to what's really happening in the systems. I've experienced all life. I've been into the military. I've been in penitentiaries. So I've really experienced life fully, wholly to where I've been able to just basically 
decide to change my philosophies about how I'm going to live my life, period. And that's when I made the transition to form. So let's talk about that transition. How did it happen for you? Everyone has their own unique story about how they get into the adult industry. Well, uh, I was always, always, I come on autodidact. Autodidact is self-taught. So I'm, I spend thousands of dollars of porn. So I kind of knew a lot. I've been doing, watching porn since the VHS since before I had been cutting. So you can see the transition and what happens if you watch porn and paying attention, actually, anything, actually. Um, you know, it's like watching any sport or whatever, if you can say it like that. And so I kind of knew the players and uh, what they what was going on and what it looked like. But it was like, how do I get to this, to this arena thing was, that was the thing, and can I do this was the thing. So I started – uh, really digging deeper into the lifestyle, which uh, where I started going to these interracial parties out in Florida. Um, actually, before that, I was searching on Craigslist actually for um, uh, some type of correspondence and action with say male, female, male. That was the hot say uh, ticket item uh, if you're looking at Craigslist to get something going. That was that's what it was. So I started meeting a few um, uh, couples, you know, husbands would bring their wives to my house, and you wouldn't believe it. I, I, where I live, I had to set up. People wouldn't believe none of this stuff goes on because it's too, it doesn't seem like that's real. So I could just tell people, oh, this is what's going on. They're looking at me like, you're crazy. And I was like, okay. And so I learned to hide behind the truth anyway. So I do this. So um, I started doing that, and the parties, well, pretty much me, I could test myself on what I could do physically, how I'm feeling amongst people, you know, being in that type of setting. Those things, were what I, that's what I use this lifestyle things for. So I did a few parties until everybody kept telling me, uh, asking me about Splash Mocha, which was these other parties that were internationally based, big hotel takeover type parties. So I'm like, wow, okay. So I said, let me go check this out when I did. I was able to get kind of work the party where uh, this whole situation with the lifestyle is about bulls and queen of spades and hot wives and interracial stuff is a big, big part of this. So they looking for the best quality bull pretty much, right? There's no better quality bull than I I've been built. I've been building this shit for years. So I already know that I'm a bodybuilder. Uh, pro bodybuilder, I've done over 50 competitions over 30 years. I compete as a part of training. So I'm really, you know, I've mastered fitness and, and, and stuff like that. So physically I prepare myself for what I want to do. So this was already one of my confidence things in my belt to be able to do that. I have been in my past and lifestyle much more, uh, how can you say it, uh, efficient in sex than most of the people in the, that I knew anyway already. So that part was cool, and I was on the right track on that. But the parties and interracial stuff helped me really get real confidence in what I could do, what my limits were, and um, I could actually even test the waters and different things that I wasn't uh, used to at the time, you know what I mean, or what I hadn't been exposed to. Because this is what sex is about. People really don't understand it, get it. 
it's just physical pleasure and what you allow and watch yourself. The preference and all that stuff we get, we don't got fucking confused. We can talk about that later. But anyway, that's how I kind of kind of made the transition to like, okay, this is lifestyle stuff is for free, but I got to do it for the money, and I got to do it porn. And so, the 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 big parties and the splash smoker was the equivalent to an expo to an exotica. So then I started going to the exoticas and the expos, meeting the uh, stars and um, the companies and. It was the most comfortable place I had been in my life. You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. Um, and um, from the party, I had actually only been to, my, my career is very short. It seems long. Been doing it almost four years. The lifestyle included make it almost seven years. Um, I've only been to, say, maybe five lifestyle parties, actually. Um, people used to say, oh, you've been to 30, 40, you're doing it 20 years. I'm like, not really. <laughs> it's just that I'm really comfortable in this setting. So um, I was able to make the transition from the um, the, um, the, uh, the Splash Mocha, which was the big international type party, to doing the Expos. And so when I went to the Expos, I started, you know, mingling and, and meeting people and and basically, that's where, if you're going to be uh, uh, a porn star, this is where you really want to go and get your feet wet and see the people that you've been watching and get to talk to them and stuff and rub elbows. And then you're going to meet people like you as well, content creators or slash porn stars that are trying to get, you know, into the business. And hopefully, you can start to get some shooting done, stuff like that. So that's kind of how um, it kind of kicked off for me. Very nice. Okay. I like the story. Everyone has a unique way in which they've uh, they got into the industry, and clearly, I mean, yours um, was was kind of like a you know right place, right time, a right kind of evolution no, into it. I mean, what I mean is, it's all for me for like the competitions. I had to prepare for the competitions. Mm-hmm. But all the way back from saying my first competitions were track and field back in the in, in, in the uh, early seventies. Well, late 60s, track and field, learning to prepare and run and go to the track. Then it was to boxing and fight, and, and it would no. Then it was like swimming, and and then it was uh, well, it was karate. It was a lot of that going on. Then it was boxing for a long time because I boxed up to well, I was almost a professional, like like 17. So I had already been, always been doing this preparing a competition style type of thing. So the porn and all that, I always wanted to do it, but I was holding back because of the morals and traditions saying, hey, these are not the right places to do this. I was working with kids all the time. So it was really that fab, that, that thin line of, you know, yes, I'm really into it, but I know this is not going to mix. The apples and oranges not going to mix of what I really want to do. I was really want wanted to do fitness more so than uh, the porn, you know, it was the forefront, you know. Uh, that, so that's how it went. So that kept me back. The morals and traditions of, no, this is not gonna, it's not going to affect people right, um, it kept me back. You know, it was stories like people that was doing training, that were trainers and did, I did Playboy and it was big problems and stuff. So that really was the problem right then, you know. In total, how long have you been in the business? 
the, the porn business in total, it's been three plus years. In November, it will make four years. All right, that's what's up, man. Congrats. Yes. Uh, after the four years, I look at it like I look at it like like um, school, like college. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the fourth year, so you know it's like I'm writing my thesis and my getting prepared to go ahead and get out there and do that. And for me, it was in the beginning to become a porn star, and um, like it kind of had levels of uh, certain productions that I wanted to do to establish being there and. Uh, to say this is my, what I did, and then it got to the point where I evolved to the point where, okay, I got to this point, got to this point, now I want to be able to do things. I now want to become a household name, period. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Let's talk about um, your you know, first time in, in, a, in a porn scene, your first time on an official set shooting you know, as a performer, what was that experience like for you? Oh, boy. You know, it's so crazy because, like, the people in that whole situation, the first major, okay, the first major set would be uh, Bang Bros, Cali Roses. Um, and like I said, uh, hmm, I got the a guy I had met at a party at one of the first parties. He had to connect with Bang Bros, and I knew he had to connect. And um, but I held off for a while. And then I sent him my picture, so he got me the Bang Bros. So it was um, when I got on set. I, you know, I'm I'm used. To, I'm 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 pretty comfortable. I bodybuild. I've been on stage in front of people and thousands. You know, those, so those things are not uncomfortable for me. So it's like already really prepared for this type of work. You know what I mean? Um, and so. It was it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't. I wasn't nervous. It was it was just fun, and I just was surprised that they had shirts. That's what the really surprising part for me was at the end. They fucking threw me a shirt. I couldn't say nothing but oh, mom, I made it. No, look, mom, I made it. That's all I can remember. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, and I was to recognize the guys' voices. You know, like I said, I've been watching porn so fucking long. It's like crazy. Like when I'm listening, because the Bang Bros started with the Bang Bus, if you don't know. They started in 98, and they started with that Bang Bus. That was their whole kicker, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so, just grown and grown. It grew away. So I was like, I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing the voices of all of the people that have heard these voices all the run. I go, hey, this is such a certain. They're looking at me like, oh, no, and then they, you know, they were actually telling me about because I come to set thinking that this is how the women come to set. They're prepared, they they they're done up, they they get they're smelling good, everything's right. I come to set like that, so that's they were talking to my, to me about that, and it was fun. It was pretty cool, and that was a uh, bang world, Yeah. How would you describe your fuck style? How would you describe your style of fucking? From sensual to savage. <laughs> I like it. No, yeah, that's good. What's your favorite sexual position to perform on camera? And is it the same as your favorite position me, to, to camera, do off camera? A lot of, on camera, uh, being aware of what they want to see, top directors know what they want to see. Sometimes, a lot of times, they actually ask you, uh, what you want to do, you should be aware of 
what you're doing should be something that they're going to really like more so than this. You understand? So, like, the positions that they, they – and you want to coincide that with whoever you're working with. You know what I mean? Um, it's not really about pleasure when you do porn. <laughs> you understand? It's really not about that. So I know it seems kind of crazy, but it's not about – it's about more about the visual for the – camera more than your pleasure so if that's a secondary that's how that goes you know what i'm saying so for me it's i'm i'm i like working on set because it's very easy for me because all you got to just say okay like da 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 and i can take you through the whole time you know so uh, it's I'm, I'm prepared for this you know what i mean but the first time on set like you was asking me it was Oh, no, that wasn't that. One of the first giant sets, because Bang Bros wasn't a big set. It wasn't a major, seemed like a major set. But that was the first time. But the first major, like, set, set I would say, kind of could be Dog Fart, working for Dog Fart. And um, I, um, my, I was co-star with Isaiah Maxwell. Isaiah Maxwell was, just, like, top guy in the industry and somebody that I, I always watched a lot, actually talked to at these Zygalicas, gave me tips and stuff. So I actually said to myself, man, if I ever had a production company, I would book him as my son. Guess what happened? They booked me, and he's my son. <laughs> and so, you know, you're nervous, you know, you excited, you're going to work with your, you know, your favorite artists and stuff like that. So now you're on set. This is the time where it was a little bit of a, okay, this is really the big thing. And so the first thing happens is, this is a story I got to tell you about, uh, and not many people are going to say it, but I know uh, only maybe one other performer I'll tell you about something like this. And uh, so, you know, you get ready, you know, chilling out, you, you're doing it, the house is, you know, the, the, the sets are nice, it's a nice place or whatever, chilling out. So about to get ready, do pictures and different things, you set up for the spills. You know, you've seen them getting ready and doing pictures and stuff. So, yeah, okay, we need the guys over here. So you go over there, okay. So you get ready to do the pictures, and they go, okay, dick's out. So now you go, huh, what do you mean, what do you mean, dick's out, okay? So now Mac Maxwell pulls out this fucking 12-incher, and you got to pull your dick out, and you pull out the fifth grader. Boo, you're not ready, you're not hard. This is when you go, okay, I'm on fucking set. This is what this porn shit is about. This is when it, I, it hit me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how did he do that? When did he know to do that? Then I realized, oh, shit, he do know and realize when he got to be ready and got to be no matter what's going on. This is what I call porn timing, being able to get hard. So I developed a, a thing for myself, being able to get hard within 30 seconds and being able to come within five minutes. Because in that same scene, that same time, uh, the girl we was working with, all of a sudden, B.O. started happening. And the B.O. started happening. She started making movements with her body that I can tell that it wasn't really comfortable. So I was starting to lose, lose, lose erection. And the room started getting big. And, oh, boy, that's when it gets tough in the porn. In the porn you know what I mean? Because now you still got to produce the cum shot, you know. And that's the hard part at the time because you're – I was under my head trying to figure out how to get back, how to get this right. And then they yell out, spunk lube, and then somebody comes and they save you. That's what happens when a guy can't maybe finish the scene the proper way. They come with the uh, fake lube and cut the scene and, and get you out of there, you know? So, but... <laughs>
Let's talk about some of your favorites that you've worked with in the business. I'm not necessarily looking for like the top five or something like that, but just, you know, who are, who are some names that pop into your head when you think about some of your favorite performers to work with? Well, you know, it's kind of everybody, you know, all of them, everybody had flavors, like flavors. But some people stood out from the beginning, from the first time you worked with them, that I knew where they were going to go in the industry. Uh, April Olsen stands out big time. Um, Avery Jane, uh, um, um, who else pops out hard like that, that I worked with. Um, it was Kathy Bender that I used to work and do a lot of stuff with, um, you know, Janet Mason. These people are like professionals and uh, Gia Derza. These people are, uh, they work because they love what they do, and, and that's what they're really good at, and they excel so well. And, um, and it's fun to work with people like that. And these are like, you can tell, pure nymphos people, pure nymphos, you know. You know, everybody in the industry are not nymphal. Everybody in the industry don't like sex. Everybody in the industry don't know how to fuck. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's marketing, promotion, just a lot of stuff that goes on. The guys are terrible. You know, we can go on about that if, you, if that's a whole other show. But, <laughs> but yeah, the girls, uh, April Olsen, Avery Jane, Kathy Bender, Janet Mason, those are some names that, you know, stick out. Are there any performers on your wish list to perform with in the future? Who would Hell you yeah. like to work with? Hell yeah. Oh, my wish list. Kendra Lust, uh, Angela White, uh, Adriana Chekchik, you know, um, Katsumi, Violet Myers. I have a list longer than my fans list, probably. I'm the ultimate fan performer. Remember, I told you I've been watching this forever. <laughs> Randy Love, you know, like, and you, it's so, it's out of body thing for me, even when I'm working with them, like Lauren Phillips, working with her, that was another crazy experience. And this was like, I had all these fantasies already because watching this stuff all much, so much, I had the fantasies about my favorite scenes with them, and I would get booked for my favorite scenes with the people. It, it's so, it just like, this is crazy, you know? It's really, uh, when you believe in something and you have watched it and that stuff, it starts to follow the patterns almost to the letter, almost to the letter. Since you've been a, a fan of the industry for, you know, forever, you know, you've been a lover of the industry, you've studied the industry. I'm, I'm curious to ask this question about you. Are there any people in the business that you look up to, that inspire you in what you're trying to do in the business? You know, and so for all the guys, most of the top players inspired me, and I got to meet a lot of them uh, along the way and learn what goes on. And it was guys that I could see, I kind of made my, I got, you know, patterned myself after some of the different ways and how they did it. You know, you got Prince Joshua, you got Lexington Steel, you got uh, Isaiah Maxwell, you got Jax. All these guys have really paved the way and really, really just constant doing it. One of my favorite performers and guys that came in when I came in is uh, Troy Francisco, 
Uh, my guy, one of my friends that I work with, is a, is a he's a favorite of mine because his personality, he's six eight. Um, his name is Jason Sweet. Um, these guys um, really work um, uh, and do stuff. Dread is another favorite of mine. Dread X. Um, you know, these guys have been doing it uh, many years, and it's been constant. DFW Knight, Richard Mann, these guys are being like the guys that do the content behind the scenes. So, being the first content creators type of guys that I watched, and I used to figure out, these guys are doing this on their own, to where I've met all these guys, and it's kind of a strong community. And so it's really nice, yeah. But definitely, it all inspired me that, were there before me and showed me and I see what they have done. But all of them, you can name it. <laughs> Most of it. You know, when I see these guys, I take pictures with them and I'm happy to see them. I treat them like I'm a, you know, I give them the, the family respect. I how I am anyway. I don't think it's, oh, it's mundane. Oh, I've been watching these guys for years and now because of them, I mean, so when I see you, I'm going to give you a big, hey, big hug. I'm taking pictures and video and that's how I act around these guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, um, they, I don't, they kind of take it, I don't know, you know, because I'm older, so they always, yes, sir, sir, and I'm like, what the <laughs> So, it's kind of cool. Are there any misconceptions or myths about porn stars, porn performers that you would like to dispel? Hmm. Any myths? <sighs> That's a hard one. Well, hmm. That's a hard one because um, there's so many myths, so many different things, and who you know, which one to uh, you know. Uh, it's just uh, you know the, the the community that was the fans. It's just it's this such a misconception about how it goes. Period. Um, just wanted to be. This is what I would like to disclose: the guys that do porn, no matter who they are, they're more like sex athletes than uh, sex athletes. Just like the comparison to guys that play basketball on the street and the guys that play uh, uh, professional basketball, this is what someone who does porn is the equivalent to. So no matter whatever myth that the person may have on the outside, the person that does porn does have a higher ability to be able to do this at a pressurized situation, time, and that's what I want to say about that one. Is there an aspect of the industry that you do not enjoy? As a as yes. someone who is a fan and who's been a supporter of the industry yes. before joining it, is there, you know, is there something about the business, an aspect that now yes. that you're on the other side that you don't enjoy? Yes. What I don't enjoy is that the, the males run the industry, males, uh, Pay for the running of the industry, and we low and we low ball to fuck down. The women making five, ten times more than we do. They make on a on a regular level and on a, on a on a on a professional level. But men actually make the fucking porn. That's why it's only maybe a few. You can count on your hands how many guys are really just constant. You can right right. Mm-hmm. What? We don't get the value, and as guys amongst each other, we're not holding up the value. We lowball each other. We, we're not doing, you know, it's not no standard to hold 
uh, to say keep the money the right way. None of that's going on. It's terrible, fucking terrible. You know, the guys don't like to keep themselves in shape. So this is what goes on. So it's just, you know, I don't like the process that we all lowball. For example, if you do an anal scene, the girls get more money, but the guy won't. I have told the director, like, hey, listen, you know, like, I got to the set and didn't even know it was a fucking anal scene. Like, hey, it's an anal scene? What the hell? And then the director go, oh, is it, uh, uh, is it a problem? Meaning, okay, he's going to get somebody else right now. If It's a problem with me, basically. So then I'm like, but don't the girls get more money? And they go, yeah. And they look at me. I just really like to look them in nice with them know, okay, I might can oversee it because these guys are sell out. But I just wanted to be known. But that's what goes on. That's what I don't like. That's the part I don't like. That's what I really don't like. You know, even on the local level, when you got to go and, uh, you know, I got to go travel to shoot with people because these people in New York are just so fucking flaky. They don't want to be in work. I don't know what the hell the negative energy here. So I gotta go to places to shoot now. I'm gonna spend more money to get to the place and more money for the lodging and different stuff most of the time, how it's already set up. And the girls usually is not. And they're gonna make more money. It's just a bad, bad setup. You know what I mean? <laughs> well let's talk about that. something that that I think, you know, as someone seasoned as, as someone who who joined the industry at uh, <clears throat> excuse me someone who joined the industry later in life i'm, I'm kind of curious yeah. to get your take on on this is there competition between performers because you mentioned the idea of you know performers in the industry that, lowballing that, each other you, and that sort of thing underlined underlined yes underlined competition definitely because uh, you want to get to work for one, and for two, it's a it's a natural state of things for men to kind of compete against each other. It's an alpha male. It's a it's a it's a, it's a primitive instinctive thing, really. Um, you know, so it, 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 it is that. But it's 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 like you know, it's like any other sports. You got to be you know you know got to be the right type of you got to be right. You can't be you know. Um, uh, just like I call it, if you're going to be an alpha, you could pee on your own fucking tree. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> As a black man yeah. in the industry, have you ever felt any racism, discrimination, or microaggressions directed at you? Mm. Good question. Say it again. So one more time. All right. As a black man in the industry, have you... Have you ever felt any racism, discrimination, or microaggressions directed at you? No. No, I haven't. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. Personally, no. Not personally. Seen it? Yes. But that hasn't happened to me directly, no. If you don't mind me asking, I mean, it depends on how deep you want to go into it, but what have you seen? Well, I mean, it's just from a basic standpoint from, like, certain people won't – I've seen people not get booked because they were told they're not dark enough and they're black. Man, that's a deep one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. Um, 
this this you know this this uh, the fan base basically will give you really what they feel or what's going on out there. And you'll see that if you read the comments and different stuff like like you work with more than one more than one guy and you got a dark skinned guy and a light skinned guy, for example. You'll see really racial issues from the outside standpoint. And then when you see the guys not getting the guys start inquiring why he can't get booked. You know, and then to be one of those, uh, somebody will like, you know, I've heard, oh, he's not dark enough, and different stuff like that. I have big problems. I don't really get booked. I got blacklisted, the whole shit, you know what I mean? So um, I've just been strategic on being able to get relevant shoots and promote myself enough to make my own, keep myself, you know, the finances pushing my little business going on as I go. I don't work nowhere near as much as the average guy in the industry, and not even fucking close. You hear me? Because <laughs> again, the intimidation from the normal, from the guys themselves, kind of prevent that. Because usually, hey, this guy all right, and you get the okay from the performance, and you're in. That's how this goes. But you know, I've been accustomed to this for my whole life. Going to even in fitness and different stuff. When I come and I go to the boxing gym, I'm not welcomed. <laughs> not by God. <laughs> I'm not, you know. And so I'm accustomed to that. You know what I mean? Let's shift away from the industry a little bit, and uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing and what opportunities have been given to you because of. Uh, your work in the industry. And so something that I thought was really interesting that you're doing is that you are a Zensei, a master of sex martial arts. So can you explain to the listeners what that means and and what that entails? Well, um, Zensei is the title, of course, like you said, of a sexual martial artist. And a sexual martial artist is someone who's extremely proficient in uh, some of the lots of the different techniques that we have at my in in this system that we teach this martial arts. It's a stroke method we call it. Scientifically, tactile, rhythmic, organized kinetic exercises. That's the stroke method. Okay, and along with nutrition, exercises, techniques, information about women, um, this is a package that I'm putting together with a company called ZenityArts.com to help the normal man, which we really don't even think about sexual fitness at all, period, um, how to become, how to actually understand what that is, how to negate, how to use this system and and empower himself, be confident, and become a sexual dynamo, sexual god, a sexual sensei like me. Very nice. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the uh, the company that you're working with, because uh, you you've become. It, this is the company that you're a brand ambassador with, right? Yes, the company's been around for twelve years, and it started. It came. They the company came out with a wellness, health and fit sexual for design specialized men that is this uh, wellness health and fitness company that uh, provides you with information and and scientific knowledge about how things work anatomy wise how the things work with women men 
the different parts, um, exercises, backed by studies. So it's like a level of uh, definitely going to school, real sex education about how these things work. Now, I have, uh, like, put myself, like I told you, all the experience and practice that I did, and even in the sexual industry itself, uh, as a guy or gauge, you know, you kind of, me, somebody like me, kind of, need some type of validation on understanding what level I am on, actually. So um, being able to please and pleasure the women uh, is a really a key thing. Like I said, it's not usually pleasurable for, for the, for, I know, for the guy. <laughs> it's not. And so, because um, like it's usually about to be bent in a position that it's not the right one, this, so and so forth. So it's not the best position, but most comfortable. But being able to do a minister to pleasure, um, I was already proficient at got awards for that this year, I got movie uh, movie of the year because of the performances and stuff like that. So this is like validation for me. When I got this information and started doing this going over these studies and stuff with this uh, the company's problem, I was blown away. Mm-hmm. I was blown away by so much more information about so much that I didn't really know and I'm saying to myself, Wow I really, people come to me for information. And I'm like, dude, like, I really did. So this this system and this information that it can help all men with is, is just a phenomenal thing because it's basically fitness-based. And this was my thing from for, for the last, say, 35 years. There's a system called No Brain, No Gain that I've devised and rides and developed that is designed to teach you how to improve yourself as a human, physically, mentally, and spiritually, all the way inside out. So this is my system that I live by, and the Zenity Arts system is a part of my system where I can now uh, package it and put it out for the world. So I'm really excited about it, and um, I'm doing um, right now. I just was sitting there doing some editing, practicing editing because I do all my own work. Um, I don't outsource because I don't really have the money to do it. So I learn how to do it. I sit here and hours and hours and you know do the and do the work, you know. And so I've been practicing on how to um, come with nice campaigns and stuff that the the, the demographic that I want to work with is gonna is gonna attract. So it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. And speaking of fun, uh, you've been referencing the fact that you have been body, bodybuilding for many years. You've been uh, competing for over 30 years, and you are going to be competing on the bodybuilding stage for your 50th competition. Uh, I, I, I probably competed over 50 times. Well, yeah, this will be my 50th or 50th or over 50th competition coming up. Some. Somewhere this summer, it's uh, it's a jungle now because of the because of the uh, extra working, doing, and traveling. But I'm definitely going to do something this year. Um, show season, bodybuilding season starts in March. It starts now, like you know, maybe uh, mid March to end starts and it ends in November. I'm actually ready right now. I'm ready right now. <laughs> For my division, and I, my division, I mean, weight class division, um, and I don't like to compete with my age division because I don't think it's fair. Let us shift away from, 
you know, talking about some of the other activities that you're doing. And let's go into your original content. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about your OnlyFans. Uh, what can uh, the listeners expect from it? What type of content can they expect from your original creations? My original creations are usually really nice, deep uh, pictures, bodybuilding style pictures, slash uh, just a nice uh, erotic sculpture physique. I show a lot of that. Um, I show my content as well. I show all my content on my OnlyFans. Um, I give you snippets. Uh, I started to sell a little bit of my videos on OnlyFans, but you're definitely going to see um, good, hot, nice pictures um, um, and, and all of the women in plates and people that I work with, you know. My OnlyFans is, uh, I think it's probably one of the best because I have the best body in the industry. I don't brag or tell or say it or put it out as one of my tags because they all know it. So I don't really I don't really do that, you know. So um and, you know so it's uh it's not fair for for me to do that. I'm a bodybuilder, you know, a, a present level pro bodybuilder, so I don't count it like that. But my pictures are good, and I make sure they look good, and that's one of my things. I know the body, this is about the visuals. You know, porn is about the visuals. If you can see a guy that looks uh, uh, accepting to the other guy, you're going to watch the porn. And then if, then you see the elements that help you like the porn. That's what it is about. It's not really about... Um, uh, the male physique if another male is watching them, that's what the problem is, you know what I'm saying? This is about how the, uh, it's just like the bodybuilding. People, men appreciate good bodies because it's, they, it's, it looks good. It's not really a sexual thing. So this is how I understand and know how this is all works, you know what I mean? It's all, you know, my work. I work my ass off in the gym, hard as it's hard, and I do things that people do not do because they're not driven to be able to, like I am. I'm driven by what I want to produce a show, and I'm just getting started. So, you know, that's uh, where we're at with this, you know? Definitely. Yeah, so since you're talking about hitting the gym, how often do you work out to maintain the physique that you have? It's not a maintenance when you're building something. So I'm never maintaining anything. <laughs> that's what one. That's what a lot of people, I try to let them know I am not maintaining it's a constant develop trying to get to the higher to better levels. And that depends on where I might be at in the process. It's always like a, a, a it's always like a, a progressive training from the beginning, for example. And it's works on a four week four week training system and every four weeks I add, add a little addition something. So the least I will work out will be four days of four days out of a week because I don't really have days of a week. It all depends on training, but sometimes training goes eight days straight before I rest. You know what I'm saying? So it depends on how much I how, the consistency of the program that I put together. If it can get consistency, uh, my training will go longer and longer, and that's how I do it. You understand what I'm saying? Because like I. Peak training, you can call it, kind of. Just getting better and better kind of thing. Kind of learned that when I started training for competitions. You know, you would have a certain amount of time to train before the show. So you would start breaking the weeks down to 
uh, maximize how your training will be uh, to get to the show. So I kind of learned to develop that ongoing all the time. You know what I mean? So you peak, and then you just reboot, reboot the whole fucking program all over, but then it slows you slow it down. So you don't keep going higher and higher. You actually slow it down, but you start the beginning at a higher place, bigger place. You understand? Definitely, yeah. So it's okay. pretty simple. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, I shifted away because I wanted to get that follow-up in, but let's go back to talking about your OnlyFans. How often do you update it, and uh, what can the listeners expect to see from it this year? My, my OnlyFans, I update my OnlyFans at least uh, at least twice a week. You should is a feed. Um, it's gonna it's always gonna be pictures, lots of nice pictures. Uh, I don't just give you one picture. I don't give you a picture and a message. It's not pay per view. The stuff that I post is the stuff I post. You'll see a preview on Twitter, and then you'll see uh, something uh, that I say that's going to be an OnlyFans. I'm trying to be much more engaging this year with my OnlyFans by doing Q&As, Saturday Night Lives. Um, I'm going to be offering – I offer – you can, you know, of course, do customs on my my OnlyFans. I sell – Items like underwear and stuff like you might see me model in a picture. I have those things to sell on my OnlyFans. Um, you know, you can engage and actually message me on my OnlyFans, and I will be, definitely talk to you uh, through only through my OnlyFans. And so, um, I really that's um, just want to be more more engaging, more constant with that. Um, that's what they can look forward to um, when they go there. Definitely. Very nice. More like. A- a one price, and you're gonna see what you, you know. You're gonna see top quality, high quality, high level stuff. If you like anything on my Twitter, you're gonna you're gonna love my OnlyFans because it's, it's it's what I promote. What I promote is what you see, what you get. You know, every picture you see in me, it's a new picture. It's never the same. I never ever 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 even repost the same picture. On well, uh, like when you see my pictures normally on. Only ones you don't know, I have main pictures that we're talking about photographers that you might see, like in a suit, uh, those type of ones, a certain ones. But normal pictures that you see me in on my, on my, on my pages, it's, every time it's a new picture. And it's never retouched and it's never filtered. <laughs> now it's time for the big question, a question that I'm sure a lot of your fans and supporters might be curious to know. How much is Coach Packin? Hmm. Good question. Oh shit. Yeah, I'm gonna go back. Uh, uh, coach is packing out on. The, and of course, he's got his own wreck. Uh, on the erect day, coach is ten inches by five inches. So I'm ten inches long. Between now, let's say, let's be accurate. Let's be accurate. Let's be accurate. Between eight and a half and ten, because it's never really the same size. Actually, you know that it's like a muscle. It's the muscle, and, it, and depending on how much blood you get going, it'll be different sizes. And I do know that. So between eight and a half and ten, and girth is between four and a half and say five and a half in girth. Because I have a pretty my stature is not really big, so it's kind of like a I think a, a anatomically kind of matches that way. <laughs> Now let's talk about the important moment 
in a porn scene, the pop shot, the cum shot, they like to call it the money shot. Do you yeah. do anything in particular to prepare for that moment? Is there anything that you do? Uh, I just have to mm -hmm. know when the moment is supposed to happen because I use this as a key. I use the actual scene for uh, I, I, it's, uh, it's for the for the preparation of my money shot. Okay, they usually you say coach will come out to everybody else or whatever because they learn that I can actually use what's happening and come on cue that way. That way I don't have to because the guys are usually it's usually somebody coming there always up. Oh, they got you know so. I always have to back them up because I got to be right back then. So I use the actual scene itself. Like you're disciplined, like you're perving in <laughs> coming off the come shot, saying to come. You get it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's the that's scene. You know, that's what I've learned from watching the porn at home. In the same way you jerk off and you wait for the come shot part and you wait like that, I do that on set. <laughs> I like to do that's what I'm in the ultimate in, in the right setting is I can be that. In a scene, where is your favorite place to shoot your load? Uh, those are usually told to you. So my favorite place to come is when the girl, a girl actually, which wish she asks for usually, you know, oh, I want a cream pie, or. When they start asking you and they don't say cream pie, then they want you to come in the face. All they say come in the face. So I like my thing is about the pleasure. So the coming part for me is I want to heighten what you got because I already know I made you come and this is how we're going to do it. Because I'm not going to come until they tap out and they go, okay, when are you going to come? I don't care who the fuck it is. That's how I do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Do you enjoy being rimmed? Yeah, my first, very, very, very first scene I put out, I looked at this whole business like uh, my formula was like like music. You know, you put out a hot single, and you fucking promote yourself, and they're going to see you, and you're going to blow. You know, I grew up around the rap game, the rap time, you know, when guys were selling out the trunk. So these guys, I sat around, know a lot of them, and then I watched that process from the beginning, how that happened. You know, the Drake effect, how that happened. So I used a lot of those formulas like that. So my first, very, very, very first scene is a rim scene with Sick and Black. It was, I call it Oil and Rim. And I wanted to have, even now, my production called Oil and Rim, like a playoff of car, of the car stuff, you know. Oil and Rim job. <laughs> but yes, that was my first scene. I've been there, but come on, Remy. Uh, the thing that you see in on porn is with the people in, it kind of, oh, the guys are now... Oh, the guys are too too machismo to let, you know really let it go down. So that's what's going on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, uh, let's talk about your physique. What part of your body gets the most attention on social media? What's the part that you've noticed your fans and supporters like the most? You know what? I don't like this fucking answer. <laughs> They only say the cock, and I'm like, fuck, all this muscle, you don't see that, just a cock. <laughs> <laughs> it really is about the cock, dude. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you can see, I mean, it's, I watch, uh, uh, I see other guys, how they do their pictures. Most of the guys normally just put nasty, ugly pictures. 
specifically pick your brain about it because I had a big question for it. So now it's time to talk about your win at the Fleshbot 2022 Web Awards for Movie of the Year. Let's talk about the the scene. It's called Drift. It's for Deeper. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the win. And and second of all, let's let's talk about it. What was that scene like? To film, did you feel like you were a part of an award-winning scene when you were filming it? And uh, were you surprised when it got the win? Uh, uh, I knew it was going to be a really award-winning thing because first thing, we had script. <laughs> I didn't have a script. I was actually thrown in that scene a day before, which was remarkable um, how I was able to do that. Uh, my co-star was Jamie Knox and Drag Dragon, uh, a little, little Dragon, Little Dragon, um, and the co the main star was Maitland Ward. Maitland Ward is a uh, from Hollywood, you know, she's yep. a real actor. And so I knew that this is, you know, we were at a nice set in um, uh, in Hollywood. What was it? Yeah, we're in L.A. And it was a closed set, you know, and um, they had a crew there, big crew. So I'm like, okay, this is the real deal, you know. So and um, it was just, it just was really fun. Like I said, I love shooting that way because for me, I'm I'm designed for this stuff, you know. They, you know. <laughs> This was fun, and uh, the people really did a good job. Little Dragon was great, you know. Um, and uh, I had no idea how it was going to turn out, you know. But when you see the visuals and see how it was direct, how it was put together, it's really, really, I knew when I watched it, I knew, I told my friends, I said, oh, yeah, this is going to win something. This has got to get nominated at least. I knew that. I knew. I watched porn. I know what they got. Mm -hmm. I know based on. You saw there was something special there. Yeah. I mean, they don't ever do movies in porn. It's one video. So now they string together a five-part series. They bring in these extra people. This is something that we need to be recognized so everybody else can jump aboard. You know what I mean? Then the real kicker, though, is. Which was my idea, has been my idea for a while, is to make porn at least nice. Like, TV is getting enough, how can you say, loose enough, and porn is getting enough, more cinematography enough to now be graced on places like Netflix and the big major channels again to be able to like resurface that, like HBO After Dark and those old things that was going on and drove for a while. 
that's going to resurface again because of this type of stuff going on. And that's what I, I, I envision because I have stories and uh, uh, titles and productions that I'm going to put together that I'm pushing towards that way, you know? Very nice. Yes. Yes. You skin flex or fuck flex instead of Netflix, you know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> More fucking skin flex, you know? And somewhere where you can go and just pick and choose out of the different titles, many titles like Oil and Rim, Milk on Dilt, uh, the fluffy exclusives. Like, I know I rename what we usually call some of the stuff, like instead of BBWs, it would be the fluffy exclusives, you know? Things like that. Really nice titles. You got the fit the fuck segment. You know, all these are the titles of different, same titles. My, my, my stepdad got OnlyFans. You know what I mean? These are all different titles designed about how the, how things are going in porn that I like that I'm, you know, shooting the productions, you know? So, and it's how I'm, you know, that's why I'm pushing it like that. You know, that's all I said about the household name thing. Since you mentioned uh, sort of like the stepdad genre just now, what are your thoughts on, you know, this, well, I can't even call it new, but, but it certainly is a niche that has taken over the business. You know, the stepfather, stepbrother, stepcousin, stepauntie. So it's funny that when I came in, um, the first scene, uh, I'm the stepdad, I'm the Persian stepdad, I'm Isaiah Maxwell, and Zoe, Zoe Fox, I think her name was, you know, young white, you know, my stepdaughter, and I said to the director, like, why well, can I be perfect on the girl like this, this is not right, <laughs> he goes, this is how this is the script, and I'm like, uh, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't really it wasn't my preference at all in the beginning when I heard it like that. And then uh, it just was like, okay, um, this is why I'm older. It don't make a difference. I am, you know, I am older. So for me, it's not a creepy feeling that way. So because it really is the setting. Um, but I was like, ah, you know. And so actually another girl, Angie Young, I don't know if you ever know who she is. She's another one that I didn't even mention, but. Uh, I never worked with her, but I definitely want to work with her. She's, uh, I met her. She's coming along while I've been working um, in the industry. And she, when she mentioned to me, she said, yeah, uh, she's like 19, young. Um, this is the type of porn I like. And she was talking to me and telling me about it. And I'm looking at her like, really? And she liked the stepdaddy porn. That was her thing. Like, she was acting out the scenes and being all perfect. I'm like, oh, it was like, you're being a creep. I'm saying to myself, like, oh pretty good so creepy you know and so then now after a little while i started realizing seeing and i thought damn this is what she's talking about and what it is is that we suppressed it with this damn puritan boundary bullshit we put in ourselves <laughs> that thing that normally fucking be going on and happening you know, now basically kind of come out like the pandemic was kind of like pandora's box of sex you know that's what you know, the pandemic actually allowed to happen all the little things that we were kind of thinking about, okay, you know what, we're just going to start putting it out and let, let, letting everybody see it. And because now we all content creators and we, and some of us don't got no rules because porn is only going to, the industry is only going to show what they can sell and they won't, they don't want to push the boundaries too much. The, 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 the pandemic happening allowed that just to spill. So now the porn industry got to go, hey, we better 
you know, we can produce our stuff, but you know what I'm saying? That's what goes on and happens, you know? Absolutely, yeah. It's an interesting genre that has taken over the business. Uh, I feel like it all started off with the MILF genre, and then it sort of like yeah, yeah. turned into this. It's no real guilt genre. It doesn't make sense. Like, they're not following the same patterns. Like, yeah, everybody's trying to do it. Like, yeah, I'm going to keep it to keep it to myself. And it's all the – well, I know why. It's basically driven by all of the damn producers that already been producing the stuff that shoot it. These are the guys now that are problems. Because now they can play in the roles. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, like it's really like the deals in the industry are the same guys you've been watching. They just got older. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, it's like now the new talent brand because they don't really do it like that. You know what I'm saying? Else I should be booked a lot. You know what I mean? But I'm not. <laughs> Tell me something quirky about yourself that most people don't know. Something unique about yourself. Something quirky? Hmm. I'm just a big kid. I don't take shit serious, really. <laughs> I mean, not like people think. Um, um, I, I'm a scientist, goofy, like a geek. You know, really deep down side, like really like geek geek. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't really consider quirky. Quirky, I don't believe in a lot of none of the normal religions and stuff anymore. People call that quirky. <laughs> My only beliefs. Describe yourself in ten words or less. Describe myself in ten words or less. Ah, self-taught teacher of improvement for all. Now, as we start wrapping the interview up, I do have this list of pop culture-oriented questions that are designed to allow your fans and supporters to get to know some of your favorites. So the first question in this set is, what are five of your most favorite television shows? I don't watch television like that. I watch if I watch anything, well, I kind of like see what Netflix I've been watching lately. So I watch Netflix is uh, TV. Yeah, I watch. Uh, hmm, what do I watch? I really don't. Like today, I haven't turned the TV on at all. I really don't really watch TV to save the old season. With I can yell out some stuff I've been watching that I watch. I watch the Blacklist. I enjoyed that. I watch. Uh, I think I'm watching right now. What is it? Resident Evil? I think I'm watching that. No. Oh, oh, Ben Helsing. That's what I'm watching now. Um, but besides that, Forged in Fire, I'll watch some stuff like that. Uh, stuff like that. You'll see me watching, if I watch anything. I'm behind the screen and I look at porn all day long. This, that theater, this theater, that's about oh, this channel, that, or over here, or editing, I'm doing something like that. But yes, not too much TV. Who are four of your all-time favorite music artists? Four-time favorite are Michael Jackson is one. Biggie Smalls is one. John Legend is one. There's so many. (laughs) That's crazy. You said how many guys there? You said four? Four. Uh, hmm. 
favorite films? Three of my most favorite films. Good question. I was actually talking about that today. That's good energy. That You got some good connection there. Mm. Um, Kung Fu Hustle. One. Matrix is another one. And Fight Club. What are two foods you can't live without? Mm. Ice cream. Mm. Ice cream and oatmeal. And what is one of your guilty pleasures? Mm. I don't understand that question. Guilty pleasures. Um, a guilty pleasure is, is like something, something that you I don't have those. I eat ice cream every single night, so I don't have things that are something that I shouldn't do in my life. So well, ice cream could be a guilty pleasure. pleasure. I mean, you don't have to necessarily see it as something that you shouldn't be doing versus more so like something that uh, that brings you sort of like a secret pleasure. You don't have those. <laughs> don't What's your favorite flavor of ice cream, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, my my go-to flavor right now is butter pecan. My favorite flavor for probably four years was strawberry, but it's, uh, it's I eat butter pecan now. Most of the value, but I eat butter pecan. I, I eat a pint of butter pecan ice cream every night, every single night. That's crazy, and you still got the abs. Someone I out eat, there is screaming. Let me tell you one thing you said a secret about my ass. Let me tell you a secret about my ass. Go ahead. You said I still got them because I only got them not too long. I just got them. <laughs> That's a secret. I didn't have abs the whole – I didn't have abs. I got abs after my last bodybuilding competition pretty much. My last pro show was in 2018. Um, my abs didn't start coming in like I like. Like uh, until after that, pretty much. I know it sounds crazy. As physiology, my body didn't wasn't designed to show abs. You know, even though I was lean and small, so I had to be built. Any muscle, anything you can be built in thirty years or designed. We genetic, you can do that in thirty years. It took thirty years for me to get them. <laughs> but ice cream is a big part of it. <laughs> What's next for Coach Carter? What is coming up for you? What's yeah? What can the listeners and uh, the fans expect from you in the near future? That's in the arts. The sexual martial arts is going to be a new wave for everyone. It's not really just for men, but men are going to start. We're going to um, it's going to get towards the men, and it's going to be a way to sexually empower all men 
give them an upper hand, make them feel more confident, and it's going to be derived through fitness. And this, like I said, this is my no-brain, no-game uh, philosophy that I'll be able to interject into everyone, which, and this is big. Um, it's starting now. I'm excited about it. It's tied into what I do already, and um, I'm really looking to take this to the to the to Mars, you know? Yeah, I'm really excited about it. How can your fans reach you? Where can they find you on the web, social media, as well as any important links on where they can find your content? They can find me at Seasoned Beef, S-E-A-Z-O-N-E-D-B-E-E-F. On Twitter, Seasoned Beef, same spelling, S-E-A-Z-O-N-E-D-B-E-E-F, E-N-T-I-G, on um all my, you can find all my uh, OnlyFans, Season B, same spelling, mini vids, same spelling, uh, X videos, same spelling. <laughs> okay, this you can find all my content at F E A Z O N E D beef. Um, over 100 million views on X videos, 66,000 followers on Twitter. People like the content. Um, I like to give you guys what you want to see and what this is about. So here we go. Well, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything you would like to say to your fans and supporters? Uh, uh, thanks. And keep coming. Support your favorite uh, content creator, sex worker. They do, we do work for the money. <laughs> well, I certainly want to thank you so much for the interview, Coach. No problem. I enjoyed it. You can do it any time. Awesome. Definitely. The door is open for more. Whenever you want to come back and update the listeners, you're more than welcome to. No problem. I will do that. Perfect. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning in to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Before we go, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you for downloading One on One with Poppy Chulo. Here are a few helpful reminders. For more information on one-on-one -on -one with Poppy Chulo, visit poppychularadio.com slash afterdark. Follow Poppy Chulo on Twitter at twitter.com slash poppychulo one-on-one. That's at poppychulo. The number one. The word on. And the number one. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash poppychularadio. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Back to you, Poppy Chulo. Thanks, announcer. And with that, Coach Carter and I would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night. Good night, listeners. Good night. Let's go. Thanks for listening to One on One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com. 
Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio. And like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week.